This is Reformed Classics, audio productions of classic Reformed works. Today we're continuing our presentation of John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion, translated by Henry Beveridge. Book 1, Chapter 17 Used to be made of the Doctrine of Providence. Sections 11. The use of the foregoing meditation. 12. The second part of the chapter, disposing of two objections. First, that Scripture represents God as changing His purpose or repenting, and that therefore His providence is not fixed. Answer to this first objection. Proof from Scripture that God cannot repent. 13. Why repentance attributed to God. And 14. Second objection. That Scripture speaks of an annulment of the divine decrees. Objection answered. Answer confirmed by an example. Section 11. But when once the light of divine providence has illumined the believer's soul, he is relieved and set free, not only from the extreme fear and anxiety which formerly oppressed him, but from all care. For as he justly shudders at the idea of chance, so he can confidently commit himself to God. This, I say, is his comfort, that his heavenly Father so embraces all things under his power, so governs them at his will by his nod, so regulates them by his wisdom, that nothing takes place save according to his appointment, that received into his favor and entrusted to the care of his angels neither fire, nor water, nor sword can do him harm except in so far as God their master is pleased to permit. For thus sings the psalm, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, etc. Psalm 91, 2-6 Hence the exulting confidence of the saints. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Psalm 118, 6 Twenty-seven, three, and twenty-three, four. How comes it, I ask, that their confidence never fails, but just that while the world apparently revolves at random, they know that God is everywhere at work, and feel assured that his work will be their safety? When assailed by the devil and wicked men, were they not confirmed by remembering and meditating on providence, they should of necessity forthwith despond. But when they call to mind that the devil— and the whole train of the ungodly are in all directions held in by the hand of God as with a bridle, so that they can neither conceive any mischief nor plan what they have conceived, nor how much soever they may have planned move a single finger to perpetrate, unless in so far as he permits, nay, unless in so far as he commands, that they are not only bound by his fetters, but are even forced to do him service. When the godly think of all these things, they have ample sources of consolation, for as it belongs to the Lord to arm the fury of such foes, and turn and destine it at pleasure, so it is his also to determine the measure and the end, so as to prevent them from breaking loose and wantoning as they list, 
Supported by this conviction, Paul, who had said in one place that his journey was hindered by Satan, 1 Thessalonians 2.18, in another resolves, with the permission of God, to undertake it, 1 Corinthians 16.7. If he had only said that Satan was the obstacle, he might have seemed to give him too much power, as if he were able even to overturn the counsels of God. But now, when he makes God the disposer, on whose permission all journeys depend, he shows that however Satan may contrive, he can accomplish nothing except in so far as he pleases to give the word. For the same reason, David, considering the various turns which human life undergoes as it rolls, and in a manner whirls around, retakes himself to this asylum. My times are in thy hand, Psalm thirty-one, fifteen. He might have said the course of life or time in the singular number, but by times he meant to express that how unstable soever the condition of man may be, the vicissitudes which are ever and anon taking place are under divine regulation. Hence Rezin and the king of Israel, after they had joined their forces for the destruction of Israel, and seemed torches which had been kindled to destroy and consume the land, are termed by the prophet smoking firebrands. They could only emit a little smoke, Isaiah 7, four. So Pharaoh, when he was an object of dread to all by his wealth and strength, and the multitude of his troops is compared to the largest of beasts, while his troops are compared to fishes, and God declares that he will take both leader and army with his hooks and drag them whither he pleases, Ezekiel 29.4. In one word, not to dwell longer on this, give heed, and you will at once perceive that ignorance of providence is the greatest of all miseries, and the knowledge of it the highest happiness. Section 12. On the providence of God, in so far as conducive to the solid instruction and consolation of believers, for as to satisfying the curiosity of foolish men, it is a thing which cannot be done, and ought not to be attempted. Enough would have been said, did not a few passages remain which seem to insinuate, contrary to the view which we have expounded, that the counsel of God is not firm and stable, but varies with the changes of sublunary affairs. First, in reference to the providence of God, it is said that he repented of having made man, Genesis 6.6, 6, and of having raised Saul to the kingdom, 1 Samuel 15.11, and that he will repent of the evil which he had resolved to inflict on his people as soon as he shall have perceived some amendment in them, Jeremiah 18.8. Secondly, his decrees are sometimes said to be annulled, he had by Jonah proclaimed to the Ninevites, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But immediately on their repentance, he inclined to a more merciful sentence, Jonah 3, 4-10. through 10. After he had, by the mouth of Isaiah, given Hezekiah intimation of his death, he was moved by his tears and prayers to defer it, Isaiah thirty-eight fifteen and Second Kings twenty fifteen. Hence many argue that God has not fixed human affairs by an eternal decree, but according to the merits of each individual and as he deems right and just, disposes of each single year and day and hour. As to repentance, we must hold that it can no more exist in God than ignorance or error or impotence. If no man knowingly or willingly reduces himself to the necessity of repentance, we cannot attribute repentance to God without saying either that he knows not what is to happen, or that he cannot evade it, or that he rushes precipitately and inconsiderately into a resolution, and then forthwith regrets it. But so far is this from the meaning of the Holy Spirit, 
that in the very mention of repentance he declares that God is not influenced by any feeling of regret, that he is not a man that he should repent. And it is to be observed that in the same chapter both things are so conjoined that a comparison of the passages admirably removes the appearance of contradiction. When it is said that God repented of having made Saul king, the term change is used figuratively. Shortly after, it is added, The strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent, for Samuel 15.29. In these words, his immutability is plainly asserted without figure. Wherefore, it is certain that, in administering human affairs, the ordination of God is perpetual and superior to everything like repentance, that there might be no doubt of his constancy. Even his enemies are forced to bear testimony to it, for Balaam, even against his will, behaved to break forth into this exclamation, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Numbers 23.19 Section 13 What then is meant by the term repentance? The very same that is meant by the other forms of expression by which God is described to us humanly. Because our weakness cannot reach his height, any description which we receive of him must be lowered to our capacity in order to be intelligible. And the mode of lowering is to represent him not as he really is, but as we conceive of him. Though he is incapable of every feeling of perturbation, he declares that he is angry with the wicked. Wherefore, as when we hear that God is angry... We ought not to imagine that there is any emotion in him, but ought rather to consider the mode of speech accommodated to our sense, God appearing to us like one inflamed and irritated whenever he exercises judgment. So we ought not to imagine anything more under the term repentance than a change of action, men being wont to testify their dissatisfaction by such a change. Hence, because every change, whatever among men, is intended as a correction of what displeases, and the correction proceeds from repentance. The same term applied to God simply means that his procedure is changed. In the meantime, there is no inversion of his counsel or will, no change of his affection. What from eternity he had foreseen, approved, decreed, he protects with unvarying uniformity, how sudden soever to the eye of man the variation may seem to be. Section 14 nor does the sacred history, while it relates that the destruction which had been proclaimed to the Ninevites was remitted, and the life of Hezekiah, after an intimation of death, prolonged, imply that the decrees of God were annulled. Those who think so labor under delusion as to the meaning of threatenings, which, though they affirm simply, nevertheless contain in them a tacit condition dependent on the result. Why did the Lord send Jonah to the Ninevites to predict the overthrow of their city? Why did he, by Isaiah, give Hezekiah intimation of his death? He might have destroyed both them and him without a message to announce the disaster. He had something else in view than to give them a warning of death, which might let them see it at a distance before it came. It was because he did not wish them destroyed, but reformed, and thereby saved from destruction. When Jonah prophesies that in forty days Nineveh will be overthrown, he does it in order to prevent the overthrow. When Hezekiah is forbidden to hope for long life, it is that he may obtain longer life. 
Who does not now see that, by threatening of this kind, God wished to arouse those to repentance whom he terrified, that they might escape the judgment which their sins deserved? If this is so, the very nature of the case obliges us to supply a tacit condition in a simple denunciation. This is even confirmed by analogous cases. The Lord rebuking King Abimelech for having carried off the wife of Abraham uses these words, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But after Abimelech's excuse, he thus speaks, Restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that art thine. Genesis 20, verse 3 and 7. You see that by the first announcement he makes a deep impression on his mind, that he may render him eager to give satisfaction, and that by the second he clearly explains his will. Since the other passages may be similarly explained, you must not infer from them that the Lord derogated in any respect from his former counsel, because he recalled what he had promulgated when, by denouncing punishment, he admonishes to repentance those whom he wishes to spare. He paves the way for his eternal decree, instead of varying it one whit, either in will or in language. The only difference is that he does not express in so many syllables what is easily understood. The words of Isaiah must remain true. The Lord of hosts has purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Isaiah fourteen twenty seven.